Yep, Merry Christmas. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Feel drowsy and slow after taking drugs? Then don't drive, or the consequences might be grave. The new law against drug driving is now in effect. The police may require drivers to undergo preliminary drug tests and provide blood and urine specimens. Driving under the influence of any drug is an offence. Always seek advice from healthcare professionals if you are not sure whether the drug you take may impair driving. No matter how fit we are, it is important to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. All along, we have received different vaccines to prevent infections. Vaccines will help create antibodies and memory in our immune system. When we come into contact with viruses in future, our immune system will quickly resist them. It is the simplest and most effective method to protect ourselves and others. Let's get vaccinated. Good morning and a very Merry Christmas to you. Welcome to a special Christmas edition of The Week on 3 with me, Noreen Mir. In the next 50 minutes or so, let me take you through some of the highlights of the variety of programs we have on Radio 3. Of course, this is also a time to spread Christmas joy and cheer. And here at Radio 3, we're doing this through our annual charity campaign, Operation Santa Claus. It's our annual charity drive, which is jointly organized by the South China Morning Post and also RTHK. And this year, we're supporting 18 worthy charities, from the elderly to children in need, to those with physical and intellectual disabilities and also ethnic minorities. This year for Operation Santa Claus, we also have a brand new website. So if you do get a chance to, we hope you can visit oschk.org to check out all the activities and ways you can support OSC 2021. This week on 3, we have a variety of special programs and I have selected music, books and of course, it's Christmas and we still have to be vigilant of COVID. But first, let's turn to Wednesday's Morning Brew, where James Ross spoke to the talented Nell Bryden, an American singer-songwriter. They spoke about her latest music, what she's been doing lately, and how being an artist during the pandemic means it's harder to tour. Here's James Ross. Nell, you've probably been missing some of that touring and getting in front of uh, live audiences, but uh, have you got something in prospect, do you think? I do miss it. I was supposed to tour in 2020. That didn't happen. I was supposed to tour in 2021. That also, that same tour got pushed back, and I've pushed it back to June of 2022. And I'm going to the UK for a whole month and I've got lots of uh, dates around there um, and I'll just see if that goes forward and then we'll take a view on touring the rest of the world I mean it's something that uh, you know it's been so long now it's been the longest I've ever gone without without playing live shows in front of people and it's very strange but I haven't stopped at all doing music so it's mm. um, it's been actually in some ways you know I, I've really enjoyed it because it's sort of meant that I be, can be more of a home buddy. I spent so many years on the road. I, you know, I was there was a time in my life I was playing 250 shows a year. On the, wow. I was just on the road all the time. Mm. And mm. then um, now I have a child, and I feel um, very much like a homebody. And you know, I have a home studio, and I can write 
all the time with people all over the world. We, we did a lot of Zoom sessions. You know, I'd routinely be writing with somebody in Copenhagen, somebody in Zurich, and then me in New York, or somebody wow. in Nashville, somebody in LA, and me in New York. And it was, it just sort of opened this all up. Creatively, so that's a, really quite exciting, isn't it, to it be was, able to? It was. It really was. And it used to be that you'd have to um, fly and then spend like a week there and, and mm. just kind of hope that people didn't cancel on you. And now I can really you know, reach high level writers who just have a tiny little space in their um, writing schedule that we can all get together on Zoom. And, you know, it it actually works. The only thing that doesn't work is you can't jam because there's a, an audio feed delay. But other than that, everything is, it's, it's, you know, I think we've sort of gotten used to this new world. And I recorded uh, a lot of material with, you know, um, producers out in LA that have studios out there and then I would do my vocals in Manhattan and mm. as you can imagine you know the only things I had to stop and watch out for was the the sirens going by or the <laughs> you know the doorbell ringing or the honking horns or somebody cursing somebody out for taking their parking space outside you know so that kind of stuff adds color to it but we, I got so much done so and it was a different kind of getting things done rather than just always being on the proverbial road. I see you a lot on the socials and I see you doing cooking I, yeah, that was something I really <laughs> let myself open up to this year. I've always loved to cook. Well, actually, I take that back. I have not always loved to cook. I always loved to eat. Um, but I lived in the West Village down in Manhattan in a tiny apartment, and I was a single girl, and I was living the sex in the city kind of lifestyle on Perry Street. And I, you know, I never thought to cook, really, because it was basically like taking soup home and, you know, warming that up. And that was my idea of, mm. you know, serving dinner. So um, it wasn't until I moved to London when it, it wasn't it wasn't quite like the um, access to takeaway restaurants that we had in lower Manhattan. And so I started to cook and that's when I had my family and I was sort of around doing that and I got really into it. And then I moved back to Manhattan and right at the start of the pandemic, my parents who don't cook at all, they're both artists and my stepmother is a former ballet dancer. So she uses her oven basically to store her hats and her sweaters in. And um, so I, you know, and my, my daughter was here and my cousin and we had seven people every single night that I would cook for during the pandemic and all of the restaurants were shut around New York. So I would make this great feasts every night for months on end. It was so much fun. And it became this idea of Nell's Kitchen, which is a play on Hell's Kitchen, which is a you know, before it was the Gordon Ramsay show, it was the <laughs> wonderful neighborhood right down the street. Nell's from me. Kitchen, very good. Nell's Kitchen, yes. <laughs> and the the challenge is really that I have the world's tiniest, terrible kitchen. It is really is. I live in the most awesome building in a beautiful apartment with the world's worst kitchen, and <laughs> it's tiny. It's like think about your closet in walk-in closet and then have that and that is my kitchen well that's that, that'll be that'll be like a hong kong kitchen believe me so uh. yes yes so my thought is if i can have fun cooking in this terrible kitchen where mm. the oven doesn't even close properly and i do most of my things in my toaster oven then you could have fun watching this too and anybody can do it it's a lot of fun so it's mm, often great energy ensues all right well let's let's talk about the uh the new christmas song i'm going to play it in, in a second um what, what's the background to this one home for Christmas. Well, I think this is quite topical for mm. right now. It's um, Great you know, lyrics. it's the the world the world is shifting quite quickly, isn't it? And and uh, I think one of the bittersweet things about this time, well, it's sort of been that we have this. I would always have this kind of sense of duality this time of year, where they'd be both sort of a bit melancholic and a bit nostalgic, and then also really sort of filled with hope and excitement and you know oh we're all going to gather and and there's so much joy around 
And I think that duality was really interesting to me, which became even more uh, pronounced this last year, because, of course, in the last few weeks in m many parts of the world, people can't gather with their loved ones. They're not allowed to go into, again, here we are again. And I think, it again, it, it, it feels even the more distressing because we thought it was going to be a different sort of a year. So having not been able to travel for so very long, uh, I felt that this song really connected with me. Great. Okay. Well, look, good luck with it. Um, um, it's, it's perfectly timed uh, for this week. Uh, it's called Home for Christmas. Uh, Nell Bryden has been our guest uh, uh, this last little while, and uh, we'll, we'll go out on, on a high with this song. Nell, thanks. Thanks very much, and great to talk to you as, as ever. Have a lovely Christmas, and uh, all the best for 2022. Thank you. You too. All right. Let's hear it. on Wednesday's Morning Brew. From one female music talent to another. This week in the Common Room, Alison Howe spoke to five-time Grammy winner Mariah Carey, who has been dubbed the Queen of Christmas thanks to her hit song, All I Want for Christmas Is You. Here's their interview from this week's Common Room. Hi, it's Alison from ITHK in Hong Kong, and we are spending Christmas with the amazing Mariah Carey. Hi. Hi. How are you, darling? I am so so good and this is well, somebody pinched me right now <laughs> first of all mariah thank you so much for sprinkling that christmas joy back in the world how important is the magic continue kind of like a part two to you personally it honestly it is like a part two but it's also like just again like you said like sprinkling christmas joy around the world that's what i love to do when you said that i was like well i really mean that i really like what she's saying is what i'm really feeling you know what I mean? I, I really think that this year people are going to enjoy it in an even bigger way than last year because we were all still on lock, fully on lockdown. There was no vaccine yet, nothing. It was really hard for us to get anything done. So this year we added to it. We sprinkled a little more um, 
fairy dust and we and we did our thing you know what i mean so it's exciting for me and i just i love doing i love doing magical moments for the holiday season it's what i it's it's my thing now you pulled an extremely incredible a-lister lineup but if anybody was to steal a mariah carey show it might just be rock and roll how amazing were they Rock and roll can steal my holiday show anytime they want. But they might want me to be like an executive producer. <laughs> they might. <laughs> you know? Come on, Molly. Here, come here. My dog is here. He wants to come up here. Come on. Oh, hi. <laughs> come on. Somebody lift him up because I can't get Molly, it's okay. One, two. Yes. There we oh, go. Boy. Hello. Say hello to Hong Kong. <laughs> hi to Hong Kong. These are the magical moments we have. You have yes. no idea this is like this, but this is real life. Like, I love it. You yeah. see the beautiful decorations our friend Blaze did for us here. It is magical, and I love it. I love nothing more than the holidays, but I do love making music that is not holiday music as well. But, like, this just happens to be something that I, I, I just love for the entirety of my life, and I'm thankful to be able to share it with, with, with you and with everybody, like, the entire world, for real. Yeah. Now, it's not a Christmas for, I think, majority of humankind without listening to Mariah Carey is not Christmas yet. So what's your idea? Yes. <laughs> what's your idea of a perfect Christmas? Oh, I don't know. There's always somebody trying to foil the moment. There's always a Scrooge or a Grinch. And I'm not having that, okay? If they want to come to my house and have Christmas with us, they better be festive. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I need happiness. I need joy. Joy. Love it. No, but really, no, we, we make it fun. We have, we, we do all the fun um, winter sports. When I say we, I mean the kids, because I'm there like, yeah, you guys are great. Standing in my little ensemble. I, I'm, I'm not good with that. I could ski a little. I, I go look down the hill once. But no, it's fun. Like we, we make snow angels, we cook. I cook every year my dad's recipe. I wrote about it in my book, The Meaning of Mariah Carey. My dad has a recipe that I, I make every year on Christmas Eve and he's passed away, but he left me this recipe and it just means a lot to me to, to, to do that. Um, and the night before we go on a two horse open sleigh ride with blankets and we're looking at the beautiful like starlit sky it's just gorgeous. It's my favorite, favorite thing. And then I want to be in the tropics. That's it. Amazing. I don't ask for much, okay? <laughs> Merry Christmas, tropics. I'm there. <laughs> Mariah, it's been such an honor to have you. Again, Merry Christmas to you too. And Hong Kong, we love you so, so much. I love you. How do I say it to the Hong Kong people in the language? Let me try. Okay. Sing Dan Fai Long. Say Dan Fai Long. Yay! Thank you so much. And Molly loves you too. Love you, Molly <laughs> too. Guys, thank you. <laughs> thank Bye. you.
quite a tune, a real modern Christmas classic indeed. And that was Mariah Carey speaking to Alison Howe in this week's Common Room. You can catch her show every Monday to Friday from 9 to 10 p.m. And of course, you can also catch it back on our archives by heading to the Radio 3 homepage. Right, let's turn to the next bit of today's week on three. I'd like to turn to Wednesday's 123 show, where I got to chat with James Chong, the founder of Rolling Books, which is a wonderful social enterprise with a special mission of spreading the joy of reading to underprivileged children of our community. Together with Dawning Leung from the Audio Description Association, they have created an inclusive book with audio descriptions so that blind children can also enjoy. The book is the 2019 NGO Leadership Program winning project, which is organized by the Chinese University of Hong Kong and also sponsored by Operation Santa Claus and UBS. Here, James starts by sharing his experience on working with underprivileged children. At the beginning, um, when we were talking about like uh, serving the um, underprivileged communities, we 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 were focusing on the Chinese community from you know different like maybe a remote areas, but eventually I uh, have the opportunity to to work with an NGO in some Shampoo area, and they have a ethnic minority communities, and uh, as well as another NGO who who work on the refugees um, community. So. We realize when we talk about reading, right? And um, sometimes many other NGOs are already collecting books and distributing to to Chinese community in a way. But if we come to think of it, okay, maybe there are not um, enough NGOs um, to, we, to, we, which can reach out to the ethnic minorities and even the refugees um, families. And one of the policy that thing that I mentioned about is about how the children from the refugee families they do not have direct resource to go to a public library to borrow library books right now. But so you can imagine if we distribute books um, to them, it, it's more effective. I mean, they, they will treasure it more because like, they can go to library to read books, but maybe they do not uh, have access to borrow books to, to, to go home to read themselves. So when we distribute books to them, it means much more to these families than the rest. I can imagine it's life-changing. Imagine just the... I mean, most children, in fact, all children, love books and being read to, but not being able to bring the books home with them. Um, yes, and, and you're right, um, refugee families in Hong Kong are amongst the most marginalized. You know, a lot of the families cannot work, uh, therefore money is, is, is quite tight, so they won't be able to afford these resources. Um, the special thing with rolling books is, um, for, for some of our <laughs> listeners who may not be familiar, um, James and his team have actually built wooden carts um, um, on wheels, <laughs> uh, right. rolling the books to these communities. What are some of the reactions when these children, um, when when you used to roll the the books along to, right. to, to to events? What did they say? It was it was actually a, a funny story. I mean. Um, at the beginning, when I started rolling books, I imagined, or at least what I wrote in the proposal, it was like um, putting books in a van, in a mobile van. So not go. a wooden cart. Exactly. <laughs> Original, it was a van. But um, the learning from doing that van is like, um, because like I, I cannot afford to buy a van yet, and um, I 
actually we we go to these like um van rental houses to rent uh, the the minivan you know for a short time basis that means we can only do you know minor decorations every time we go out because you have to return the van afterwards exactly. oh. and that means um no matter how hard we try it the van the minivan is is still like a minivan it it, it doesn't like um come you know transform into something really fascinating so originally the idea of like this mobile van going into different schools and community it, it weren't it, it wasn't so popular because like oh, people look at the car oh this is just a van with books and it it's not something that we would enjoy <laughs> and eventually oh we really relent from that experience we think okay we'll we even we, because we we cannot you know decorate that van very much. But um, how about you know we 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 find a designer, a local designer, to build a wooden cart where we can you know uh, use that wooden cart because like that wooden cart is a designer item. We can make it more fascinating. And um, there's something yeah. appealing and quite exactly. cute about yes. a wooden cart with the arms and the <laughs> yeah exactly it's very very good. Like um, because like we can. Like open up the wooden cart to like you know a, a, a pair of like welcoming arms yes. and to welcome the children and families who come into the area to do reading. So we take this wooden cart to go to different markets or maybe schools or maybe some carnivals where like um, we we can reach out to more families and children. You know even though they are just doing exercise or maybe you know doing market shopping. You know next door. I mean I think I think it is a very good intervention uh, and. You can bring the wooden cart or maybe the reading experience to places where people normally would not expect to have reading. You know, reading might be for libraries or coffee shop, or you cannot imagine. You know, in an open area, as long as you've got a wooden cart there, you've got some cushions there. Children will come to pick up books themselves. You don't have to teach them. It's about like a playground that. with books for them. Yes, yes, yeah. that's right. And I think with that transformation. Uh, um, it will it will remind us more. I mean, I mean, how to engage the children and community into reading. Um, even s- sometimes we say Hong Kong, like it's a, it's a city with not not that much of reading, but I think uh, we as part is as a little social enterprise, we can be part of a movement. We can promote reading in in tiny little places like that, and and you can influence like more people to to do reading promotion in their events or you know maybe in 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 other shops so that all all these together can build up a a more inclusive reading environment for all absolutely james and i should imagine just promoting reading for pleasure for the children as well because i imagine the children they may read a lot for school textbooks and 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 stuff but not really reading for pleasure for the enjoyment and just being able to sit down with a good book is really pleasurable uh, thing. Um, and also just to change the culture a little bit. I think growing up, maybe our parents didn't really read to us or maybe they don't have time to read to us. The same for uh, for some of these families as well. Maybe their parents are too busy to sit down to read with them. But with events like yours, mm. then it kind of forces the parents to, to, to enjoy the books with the children. Yes, yes, exactly. I think it's about how, even though like reading seems like a, a independent 
um, experience when you read books by yourself, but you know, but you can still connect to different reading communities. You know, by sharing you know your thoughts about some books, or maybe some parents and children can read together. So what we um, also do is like um, we 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 like to train up. I mean, or maybe we show the parents the skills of storytelling or co-reading. You know, when they when they do it at home. I think especially uh, during the time of the COVID nineteen, um, it, it was like it was fairly important that we have that kind of intervention. Um, we can encourage the, the parents and children to collect books and and do reading at that time, and especially during the the COVID time, you can imagine uh, we look at digital screens so much. Yes, <laughs> and uh, maybe many years Zoom ago, exactly, and, <laughs> and shopping and anything you do it online and. And maybe a few years ago, many people talk about like um, whether ebook will replace physical books. But you know, after the COVID, actually, and the sales for regular books are actually doing better. <laughs> yes, it's, it's returning because uh, we miss the idea or the opportunity to read books offline, yes. <laughs> unplugged, unplugged. Yes, <laughs> yes, and it's it's very good that reading um, not only you know give you knowledge or give you connection to to other children or families or uh, other friends, it it also means you learn to be able to um to 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 be to be yourself to be independent to be solitude you you need some quiet times you you need some me time okay and of course like there are many other interventional programs out there which cost you a lot you know for you to to have like a, a peaceful well-being but if you look at it, reading is the easiest and the and least free. expensive yes, yes. And, and even free. You know, if you just spend time with books, this is a perfect time for you to build up your your well-being or maybe resilience. When we talk about um, being locked down in COVID-19, you have to be yourself. And I think that resilience is very important when we talk about reading. And this is what we, we try to tell parents or other people about this. Absolutely. And we've often seen studies saying reading promotes empathy as well exactly. within children. Um, speaking of empathy, I know, you, let's talk about your book. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. So in Chinese, it's called Hon Bakin Bik Lai Mat. Um, I'll let you translate it, James. And it's a very special book. Um, I, I mentioned it in the intro. This book is the 2019 NGO Leadership Program uh, winning project, which was organized by uh, the Chinese University and also sponsored by uh, Operation Santa Claus and UBS. Um, and uh, together with Dawning Lang uh, from uh, Audio Description Association, you have made this book. Congratulations, James. What Thank an achievement. You. Thank you. It's a really special book. Um, tell us about it. Okay, first of all, the book um, can be loosely translated um, as Invisible Gift. Yeah, the yes, gift which is not visible yes. in a way. And um, I think... Uh, come to think of it, I think the, the competition was about two years ago already, and it seems a very long time. It took us a long time to, to put this book together. Because as I mentioned, Rolling Books does best in the promotion of reading, especially picture books in, in the past few years. But I think at that time when we we were in that NGO leadership course, I've got the opportunity to, to meet with like Dr. Donning Learned, um, Audio Description Association, I know she has been doing all these nice descriptions, uh, audio descriptions for movies for and movies. TV programs, yes. and even though outdoor activities, you must have talked to her uh, for several occasions already, and it's very nice. But 
we realize that for picture books, because picture book is not only about the text, and the pictures are not merely illustrations. It's a combination. It's a it's a it's a very nice combination. It's a poetry combination, you know, between the pictures and the text, so that the children can learn the stories uh, from 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 the characters in, in a way that they can you know get more empathy from these kind of different stories. And so we realize maybe for the blind children, they are not able to read. Um, picture books like we are even though there are some audio books but maybe in the past audio books are mainly for text for the text yeah not really for the pictures or what you see on the page exactly and and this combination of us running books and audio description association can put together i think we we realize it should be the very first like um audio description um picture books available in the market that's amazing <laughs> you know and it's two very simple concepts but you're right james it's just never been put together you know it's just been very separate audio books and picture books but yes. nothing has been placed together that's right especially um when we are when we have this creative team working through this uh, project together the reason why we took two years i was gonna say it's too simple <laughs> concept but once you combine them i'm sure it's so complicated exactly <laughs> um first of all the printing we've got to find a special paper and and um this is a multi-century experience so not only we have audio description in a sound clip um, we also have this tactile you know some animals in in the book you know they've got like, like um there's a frog uh, there's and a when frog. you touch the frog he's so soft yes 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 <laughs> and there are many like other animals like a sheep we have we can feel the wool um from from that sheep and some snail you can touch you know the, the shell of the snail so so all these features it takes time um, to to produce them and also um, because like we mentioned it's for the visually impaired the blind children and um, so we've got braille um, with the book um, on, on the book printed on the book so you we, we want to see many of these um, multi-sensory experience put together in the book so not only we wish the book to reach the visually impaired children we 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 also realize that a book like this is very good for the general public or maybe the sighted families to read because like it's colorful in a way and even though children from the sighted families can read this book and learn oh they are braille what are they for or, or, or maybe audio description what are they for they will learn the needs for the other communities okay they there are many people who who have different like um challenge or maybe different strength and so we have a book like this we we can let the children learn about the different abilities of different people especially the story about uh, in the book it's about how the animals can to, can learn together in, in a little farm uh, where they can find their own strength in, provide, in, in producing a gift for a farmer, for, for the farmer who looks after them. So I think that not only we've got this feature um, to tell about uh, all the needs of other communities, the story itself, it's very heartwarming and you should be able to find many warmth, like connection with different characters. So uh, it's, it's a gift in a way, even though we say, okay, it's an it's, it, it, invisible gift because the gift itself it's about how um, all of us can join hands together and understand each other in a way to learn about ability. So it doesn't have to be a visible gift. Sometimes the invisible gift is more heartwarming. 
And that was James Chong, the founder of Rolling Books. You can catch the One Two Three show every weekday from one fifteen to three. Now let's turn to COVID. As we celebrate the festivities, it's also good to stay vigilant. On Wednesday's back chat, hosts Janice Wong and Anna Fenton talked about the latest updates with COVID and how we need to stay vigilant during the festive season. Here's Professor Benjamin Cowling, who's the head of division of epidemiology and biostatistics from the School of Public Health from the University of Hong Kong, talking about the transmissibility of Omicron. Fortunately, the incubation period for Omicron seems to be shorter than for Delta. That there's some emerging evidence on that. So I'm imagining the majority of Omicron cases that we pick up in Hong Kong are going to be picked up on arrival or within the first four days when people are in Penny's Bay. Relatively few are going to be picked up after that. So this this will have a lower risk. But I am concerned because we've had very few Omicron cases picked up in quarantine hotels so far. I think you mentioned at the beginning of the show it was 20 something cases, but I think only one, one or two of those have been picked up in quarantine <coughs> hotels. The rest are on arrival or in Penny's Bay. And there was one transmission event already in a quarantine hotel of Omicron. So it, it certainly poses a risk. And remember that when transmission occurs in a quarantine hotel, if it's to another guest, most likely that guest is still going to be there for a while because the average stay is, is now 17 days. Um, but if it does happen and the person's on their last day, when, they, when the transmission occurs, they'll be out in the community uh, at the point when they develop, develop symptoms and become contagious. Now, the uh, Center for Health Protection, it says that uh, if an Omicron case is detected at a quarantine hotel, people who stay in rooms adjacent and opposite to the rooms of the uh, patient will be asked to get tested every day for seven days. Do you think that's uh, enough? Well, I, I, in one sense, I'm glad that those, uh, those um, travelers are not required to, to extend their stay in quarantine for another 21 days because that has happened in the past and i think it's, it's tough for those people because it's not their fault at all they stayed in the hotel that was that was designated by the government and and so on but on the other hand there is this risk that if there's a case detected that the, the transmission would have occurred and i'm not sure why they limit it to the the room opposite and next door because that those are not the only rooms at risk so what, what do you think it should be expanded to uh, well, so I, I, I think we've seen from other parts of the world that transmission is possible through open windows. So any guest, if, if that guest who had Omicron had an open window, then any other guest who had open windows or any other people in the vicinity uh, would be at risk of that. Um, and, and I don't think that the transmission is limited to, to transmitting across the corridor. I think it, it would depend on the airflow. So uh, I go back to my earlier point that I think we do much better with a purpose built facility. Then we wouldn't have all of these concerns and travellers could, could rest assured that once they serve their time in the quarantine, they are able to, to get back into the community safely. Okay, Dr. Chan, uh, what's your, um, do you have any concerns about uh, the uh, transmission, um, the possible transmission of Omicron at uh, quarantine hotels? Yes, uh, because those hotels are made for tourists or for people living there casually and not a purposeful, uh, purpose-built um, uh, quarantined centers. And so uh, I think uh, there are chances, of course, uh, of spread not just to the people at the room opposite to the one that's infected. So uh, at least a whole corridor could be um, uh, dangerous, and uh, I, I would think uh, also the um, buses uh, that carry the um, the vehicles that carry the um, uh, travelers from the uh, Penny Bay um, to the other designated hotels 
people on the same vehicle, including the driver, could also be infected. And so these are the loopholes that we must plug. Otherwise, there would be spread in the community. And whenever there is a beginning of a spread in the community, it could spread very fast because this virus strain is so so transmissible. And so I think we have to be very careful about plugging these loopholes. And that was Dr. Alvin Chan, pediatrician and co-chairman of the Advisory Committee of Communicable Diseases from the Hong Kong Medical Association, along with Professor Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong on Wednesday's Back Chat. Every year at Christmas time on The Morning Brew, Phil likes to chat with some of the many talented musicians who have been on the show over the year, and to get them to pick a couple of their favorite Christmas songs and to tell us why. On Thursday, the two-time Grammy Award-winning ex-King singer Paul Phoenix joined him from the UK. The rules were a little bit different this time, as when you have a singer as good as Paul on your show, you make him pick his own work. Both of the songs you're about to hear were just rough recordings made in the rehearsals, but both have a little story to introduce them. The first one was recorded just a few days ago in Finland. Paul will tell you the rest. One of the singers, it was actually the second tenor, a guy called Axeli, uh, phoned in just before the rehearsal saying, I can't come, uh, I've just tested positive for COVID. Okay. Uh, so the group was missing a member, and at an hour's notice, they asked me to step in, uh, sight reading from memory. Well, the memory part I can't do, the sight reading <laughs> bit I'm reasonably good at. Well, let's get to it, Paul. Introduce the piece we're about to hear, would you? And who's singing it, because I'm not going to go finish. Okay, so this is a, a, a subgroup of nomad vocals. They're called Dengo, uh, and the arrangement is by the young lady immediately on my left. Uh, she's, uh, she's called Vilma, and it's an arrangement based loosely on Sting's version of The Angel Gabriel. That was absolutely beautiful, Paul Dengo and Paul Phoenix guesting. I love the building because if Alice, if you listen carefully, you can hear workmen in the background chucking stuff around and everything. I don't know, Paul. It kind of adds to it, doesn't it? It was beautiful. I think it does. I think it does. When when we rehearsed that uh, during Saturday afternoon, there were people uh, outside milling around yeah. outside because there are um, some beautiful LED light displays going on outside with with huge reindeer and a huge sleigh. Uh, little pods for people to sit in to have their photographs taken. Yeah. It was about minus five, minus six degrees Celsius outside. Uh, the church was nice and warm. It was a lovely atmosphere, and it was one of those kind of one-take wonders. The Angel Gabriel, I mean, that was beautiful. I'll tell you one song I'd love to hear you sing one day, and I don't even know if you do. Still, still, still. That's beautiful. When I was in the King Singers, uh, Phil, there was a version of that that the group used to do. So maybe I, I need to resurrect that for, for Christmas 2022. Talking to Paul Phoenix all the way from the UK. Very kind of him to join us. We're doing that. What's your favourite Christmas tune bit here on The Morning Brew? So let's move on to another one, Paul. And this is another thing that you recorded in your, well, lounge or whatever on Zoom. What have we got? Yeah, it's in, it's in my office. Uh, well, we, we had a, a really lovely 
Christmas celebration concert at Paul Phoenix Academy. Yeah, uh, which took actually the concert took place in a in a church theatre in in Central, and uh, I obviously not being present was present virtually. <laughs> uh, that was my that was one of my earliest starts of the year because the concert started at 11 a.m. Hong Kong time. So yeah. I was sitting at at 3 a.m. Uh, attending the concert virtually, setting setting my alarm, quick shower, get in at the concert, and the piece that I pre-recorded for that yes. was uh, Have Yourselves a Merry Little Christmas. I actually cheated a little bit. I found a really nice karaoke version. Got to be done. I got my, got my speaker set up, got myself set up in my office <laughs> and just sang, sang into my phone. So whilst the whilst the quality is not studio quality, Whatever. the moment and the live feeling of the song is absolutely there. Hey, Paul, we're doing a Brechtian Christmas here on Morning Brew. Who cares? It's the music that counts. Are these two particularly favourites of yours? I mean, your voice most definitely suits them. I think, I think there are two very different styles. And I think because of that, it, it's part of my background because you learn when you're a member of the King Singers, which I was for 2,000 concerts and 17 years, yeah. you learn to be a really versatile singer. And that's something that I've taken with me in my slight lack of performing this year. Yeah, it's a shame, okay. but that's the way it is. Well, let's have a listen, shall we? Once again, Paul Phoenix, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Merry little Christmas 
And that was Paul Phoenix on Thursday's Morning Brew chatting with Phil Whelan. And now let me leave you with some good old-fashioned music entertainment with Steve's Afternoon Drive. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. A Merry Christmas to you all. Until next week. Okay. If you're still looking for that perfect gift all this week, we're trying to offer last minute... You know, it's the public service part of the uh, of the programme. No, really, no honest. If you're still looking for the perfect gift... Here are some things to avoid for the woman in your uh, for the woman in your life. Do it yourself shoes, thumbs down. Any DVD starring actors or trucks named Diesel. Also avoid any liquor whose bottle you can open with your teeth. Sort of general general advice. I'd like to add something to that though. And this is something I genuinely used to... I used to like buying lots of odds and ends and bits and bobs. I like to do a, a Christmas stocking. In other words, what my wife would refer to later on in life as a lot of junk. One of them was the Christmas calendar. It was a calendar for the new year. Something funky to hang up. But we never hung them up. So I'm going to add a calendar to that list and to take it a stage further. If you're giving a calendar as a gift this year... Best stay away from these, the least popular calendars for 2022. Least popular calendars for 2022. Apple's Nerd-A-Day desk calendar. A year of portly accountants named Fred. 365 tips for first-class toenail maintenance. Least popular 2022 calendars, politicians unclothed. Keith Richards' health health tip of the day calendar. <laughs> and the most... The most least... What? Least most popular 2022 calendar. 12 close-up views of Ed Sheeran's wart. Hello. This is your Christmas voiceover man. And you're listening to a special Christmas edition of the Steve James Afternoon Drive. Although I think you'll find Peter King's programme more Christmassy. Because he'll slay you. Get it? Slay? Never mind. Oh, the factories may be roaring With the boom-a-lack-a-zoom-a-lack-a-wee but there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four Everything stops for tea Oh, they may be playing football And the crowd is yelling, kill the referee But no matter what the score when the clock strikes four Everything stops for tea Our tea break this afternoon, celebrating the birthday, born 1946, Carl Wilson, American musician, singer, songwriter, record producer, co-founded the Beach Boys and performed lead vocals on songs such as this. I, I love the colorful clothes she wears And the way the sunlight plays upon her head Vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm backing up.